Hello, friends. Welcome again to another episode of the Pilot Podcast. I'm Jared Cornut, joined by Matt Hensley and Alan Murray. Alan, looks like you are in the car with fishing uh, a fishing rod again. Are you fishing? Does this guy ever work? Does this guy ever work? He's got the best hours out of any pastor I've ever met outside of Tyler Armstrong, who's my discipleship pastor, who's never here. So uh, I'm, I'm not fishing. Actually, on Monday night, I'm helping teach a local Boy Scout troop the Fly Fishing Merit Badge. Uh, and so I have all these fly rods left over in my car from Monday when I was teaching them. Uh, so no, I've not been fishing. I was I was trying to reach my community uh, by by showing my appreciation and, and investing time in the local Boy Scout troops. So and let you're me rocking a Fruitland. Is that a Fruitland shirt you're rocking? Uh, it, it is a rain jacket because it is uh, wonderful weather for a Scotsman in southeastern North Carolina right now. I don't think many of our listeners know the first time I met Alan Murray, I was substitute teaching at Fruitland Bible College, and he was in the classroom, and that's I, that's where we first met, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes, yeah. you. How did it feel to have a student twice as tall as you? <laughs> and, and twice my age. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Uh, hey, we were in Hendersonville last week picking apples and visiting some old friends up in Hendersonville. So that was that was really cool to go up there. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing okay, but nobody cares. We have somebody special with us today. Who is it? We do have a guest. And Alan, why don't you do the honors of introducing our guest? I know you know him pretty well and y'all serve together. So why don't you uh, introduce our guest with us today? Yeah, we have the executive director treasurer of the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina, Todd Unzicker, joining us today. Todd, how are you doing? I am doing great, but I wish I was riding shotgun with you and we would just <laughs> get off this call and let's go break out those fly rods. Uh, you know, the, the waters are rising here with all this rain. Maybe they're up in the trees a little bit. Yeah, we could try it. Uh, that's awesome. Well, you know, we just had Fill the Tank Sunday um, in the Southern Baptist Convention. I was on vacation, but we had baptisms in my church. Alan, you had baptism at your church, right? I did. I was uh, privileged to baptize one of the kids that I had uh, the opportunity to lead to Christ during vacation Bible school back this past summer. And Todd, from what I understand, North Carolina as a state had a ton of baptisms. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, first of all, I would say it was uh, Baptism Sunday where believers around the globe uh, recognize uh, the death, burial, and resurrection, the public profession of faith. And so, um, you know, our national convention put that on the calendar. Uh, I don't know when that was, a few years ago, um, to kind of recognize. And certainly when we see things that are going on in uh, sub-Saharan Africa and in Central Asia right now, where baptism is literally a death mark or a sign of great persecution, what an opportunity for us as Baptists to um you know, to make Baptists great again, right? Emphasize what it is that uh, we um, are, not only in local church autonomy, but in baptism, you know, which uh, baptism for 2000 years has been the identifying mark that I am a follower of Jesus. And so for us in North Carolina, right out of the chute, I wanted to make sure um, I said on the night I was uh, voted in uh, May 23rd or 24th that um, we're going to emphasize soul winning. We're going to emphasize baptism. And this is going to be something that, uh, we're going to do, we're going to call fill the tank. And so what we did was we asked every single church um, to fill their baptistry for September 12th um, for that weekend, um, that they would believe in faith, that God would save people from that day until September 12th, and that we would baptize. And we wanted to see how many uh, churches would fill the tank and um, and and maybe how many baptisms the, the Lord provided out of that. Uh, Jared, Matt, you guys travel around a lot. Um, 
I've never met a church that didn't pray that their waters would be stirred, right? Mm. That their baptismal waters would be stirred. But here's what I noticed over really since April and traveling around the state and even in my time when I was in AMS. Um, most Baptist most Baptist churches that have a baptistry, their baptistries are full of Christmas decorations and Easter mm. decorations and boxes. And I thought to myself, you know what? We're praying for the Lord to stir and move those waters, uh, but I don't even know that we're ready. And so part of this challenge was, hey, empty out the baptistry. We had so many reports of pastors of all sizes, uh, of churches from all sizes that were writing us and saying, hey, thank you for doing this. We realized we had lost our stopper. We realized we had a, 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 a leak in our tank. And so, um, you know, just the stories that are coming out of that uh, have been incredible. And I'm excited to report that uh, we had right at 700 churches, which is about one fourth of our participating churches all did that together. Um, And only three of them, 300 of them have reported back. Guys, you ready for this? We're near 1700 baptisms for one day in the state of North Carolina. Praise God. 1700. Um, And so uh, I got some Baptist historians that are looking into this. we can't seem to find another day in, um, in North Carolina where there were more baptisms in one day than on Baptism Sunday on September 12th. And so we're really excited about that. I think it's awesome. And I think it's wonderful. Why aren't we doing it every Sunday, Todd? Uh, well, I don't see why we can't. Uh, you know, I mean, I kind of, you know, there were some people who were like, oh, well, I don't believe in baptism Sunday. I believe in yeah. baptism every Sunday. And I'm oh. like, well, great. Then baptize every Sunday. Yeah. Um, the same way, uh, why do we emphasize Christmas and the birth of Christ and that Emmanuel came to be with us? Why do we emphasize Easter and the resurrection of our Lord? We should do that every Sunday, right? Um, I, uh, I hope churches do emphasize. I hope churches baptize every Sunday. But what we wanted to do is we were just joining with believers around the world, um, recognizing baptism and that that is the profession of faith and declaring new faith of Christ. Um, I mean, I could pull up my phone here. I got a, I got a text from some believers. We'll just call it Central Asia and a um, country that has, is in the news right now, new regime change. Mm. And these are believers that came to faith and they came to faith because of our cooperative efforts together and sending, sending workers. And um, this believer showed his back with stripe marks on his back that happened last week uh, or no, the week leading up to baptism. And it's because he was not going to the mosque and praying. And that believer um, was baptized to identify his new faith in Christ. And I think what a great opportunity for us uh, to identify with believers around the world where baptism literally means, you know, a death sentence. Wow. You know, we, we hear often, you know, our baptism numbers are down. That's what's emphasized, I feel like, at every annual meeting, any SBC thing you read. Um, so how should we celebrate this with our church? I mean, what would you recommend your churches do to celebrate this, uh, to recognize this, but also to bring attention? Because I think what happens, like in my church, is that we've kind of have a more robust ecclesiology than we've had in years past. And so we've had people come up and say, I've gone to church for 50 years. I'm not a member because I've never been um, baptized by immersion. So what should we do? Because we want to see baptism numbers go up. Obviously, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. We can't control that. But how should we celebrate this to mobilize us to continue to have more days like this where maybe 2,600 get baptized next year in North Carolina? Yeah, that's a great question. I like that, what you're thinking there. Uh, Well, let me first say that I have two theology degrees. Um, 
I believe it is Jesus is the alpha and the omega of our salvation. That unless the father draws, nobody's coming to the son. I know that he is the one who changes hearts. Uh, and he is the one, um, that gives the new birth. Okay. So let me, let me make sure that everybody knows that. Um, but I also know that, uh, like Spurgeon said, you know, the more that we seem to invite to trust Christ, the more that he seems to save. And so, um, I would say this, make the appeal. Um, you know, pastors ask people to trust Christ and follow him in baptism. Baptism is not the destination. And I'm afraid we've often made it that way. Baptism is actually step one. And so, um, you know, make that appeal. Uh, it is, it is the profession of faith. It's the original walking of the aisle, um, Mm. is baptism. And so make that appeal. We often replicate what we celebrate. And so instead of celebrating what you have, uh, how many do you have on Monday morning? You know, it's always the question with pastors. Why don't we start saying like, you know, how many did you baptize this weekend? Um, mm. Why don't we start expecting God to move? Um, the gospel is exploding in the house church network in China, mega church movement in, in Korea and in sub-Saharan Africa and Latin America. I, I've been asking the question now, and we tell you this, I've been asking the question in North Carolina is why not North Carolina? Why not on earth as is in heaven? Why not North Carolina as is in heaven? And maybe we're not seeing as many people getting baptized because we're not just, you know, asking, um, I'll just share this today. Um, my, my wife met a group of ladies recently and, um, she's been walking with them, um, really since April, I think. And one of them, um, literally today or last night, I guess, texted and said, can we have lunch? And they met for lunch today. And she said, I I think I want to be a follower of Jesus. And she prayed to receive Christ right there in that Panera bread. Um, this afternoon and literally she's like amen and they're celebrating and she goes now what do i need to do and ashley's like you need to identify and publicly declare that we do that through baptism and so um um we're going to baptize her soon and we're going to let her tell that story and that picture of baptism is the death burial and resurrection of our jesus of our lord and savior jesus and when she's walking out of that tank that is walking in newness of life and showing that picture of what god's done i love that i'll let one of you guys jump in here but matt you may know this church it's in the dallas area shallow terrace there in north dallas and they got a new pastor quentin self he came from north carolina who's in winston-salem large church up there and in august they just started scheduling or i think in july started scheduling baptisms they had no baptism scheduled but they said we're going to baptize this sunday and they just prayed and asked God to bring people to salvation. And they have baptized every Sunday. They have scheduled it. God has brought people. They've baptized 16. And so I, I love that. What's my next step? Your next step is identify with Jesus. Yeah, I, I just want to uh, say how trendsetting North Carolina is. Uh, you know, you, you put forth this initiative and then uh, it was already on the calendar, but Nam picked it up. But a neat story I heard last Wednesday, I had lunch. Uh, with an interdenominational pastor's fellowship here in southeastern North Carolina, hosted by a Wesleyan church. Uh, one of my good friends is a Wesleyan, and uh, I guess they had heard of Fill the Tank. And so they filled their baptistry for like six or seven weeks in a row there at this Wesleyan church in our area and baptized. It was either 26 or 27 people. He said, we did it the Baptist way. So I just said, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, of course, God, God uses uh, all sorts. And so I, I just I think this is something that's uh, beneficial. Uh, I, I just appreciate what's going on, what God's doing through this movement. Yeah. And Alan, we, we saw in Western North Carolina, when I was out there, we saw an assembly of God church that had on their marquee out front on their sign that said, fill the tank Sunday. 
And so I thought, wow, that is awesome. We heard about a number of states that did it. And uh, the stories have been incredible. You mentioned Fruitland or somebody did earlier. Dr. David Horton, the Fruitland president, he's an interim pastor. Um, he probably told me he, he baptized two senior adults um, on that day. And that church had not seen baptisms in years. And to see two senior adults um, was just incredible. We had some pastors who said, we didn't have any. Nobody got, got saved. But I put on waiters and I preached the sermon from the tank because I filled the tank up. And he goes, guess what? We had people who came forward at the end of the sermon and said, I want to be baptized next week. So, you know, this is not about the numbers per se. What yeah. this is, is about all of us believing in faith. Do we believe God's word? We champion that we, it's inerrant and it's infallible and all sufficient, but are we living like those things? And God says that he desires that none should perish and that if we will call others, um, he will save. And so why don't we just start um, living the way we say we believe his word and let's fill the tank and um, pray that God will, 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 will save. Yeah, for sure. And we, we really appreciate that. And I know, you know, years ago at Mayhill, uh, I just, it was kind of after a few Sundays, if you're standing there after the invitation, you've given the gospel appeal, you've done all of that stuff and you're standing there like a jilted bride and uh, just, you know, waiting for that verse to wrap up. And I started realizing that even in my own heart, I'm like, I'm just trying to get to the end of this verse so I can get back up, do the announcements and go home. Like it, it was, I could sense that maybe nobody was moving forward. It seemed like, and I, I just started that moment, just realizing that I actually believe that God can and will save people. Why am I not pleading with them to do so? And, uh, and so as I started on, on Sundays, you know, y'all know that I got up there at, you know, four or five in the morning uh, because I don't apparently need sleep and would just pray in the sanctuary. And instead of just praying, you know, God, help me communicate your word clearly. You know, God, help the the sound go well, help the music all line up, you know, all that kind of stuff. I just started making that prayer. God, just save somebody today. God, just save somebody. Save somebody. And just, that just almost by rote, just sharing it over and over. God, just please save somebody. And he mm -hmm. did. And I was like, oh, thanks, God. Like, I didn't know it was that easy. I'm just kidding. But, you know, it really is, though, is we, we're faithful to preach the word, call for a response and all that. But maybe, just maybe, we, we could have some faith that he's going to actually, in fact, save somebody and be ready for it and get to celebrate with it. So I love uh, what, what y'all have done there, uh, Todd. Thanks. Uh, I don't know if you hear it here first on this podcast or what. Uh, no decision's been made, but I, I'm, I've just been praying like and rejoicing what's going on. And I'm like, okay, Christmas and Easter are still those times that even my lost friends will come to church, like, like without much, you know, thought. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, um, should we plan on doing this again at Easter, you know? Easter baptisms, um, there's going to be, that's the Sunday that is a high. And if we, just like there's different um, methods of sharing, uh, sharing the gospel, right? There's Roman roads. Um, there's the three circles. Uh, you know, there's gospel tracks. Uh, there's Bible storying. There's testimony. Um, some people are visual and it's really a picture. And when those testimonies come from the tank and the picture of somebody who is buried in, in, in their sins and raised to walk in newness of life, just like our Lord was, um, why not use every tool at our disposal? And God is the one who gave us baptism. And uh, what a picture of that. And can you think of anything better to do on Easter to celebrate the, the resurrection of our Lord than, than, than seeing baptisms? And so uh, I'm just, 
I mean, talk to my staff about this or our team or our churches, but I'll talk with you guys about it. I'm wondering, should we do this again at Easter? Um, what a what a great opportunity. Do it. And you can have it sponsored by the Potluck Podcast. That's right. Oh. <laughs> so, well, we, we can't even get on the SBC calendar, man. That's true. So, that's, I mean, that, that is very true. Todd, we've, we've talked about Fill the Tank, and uh, we're excited about everything that uh, God is doing through that, and certainly would love for this to happen again on Easter. And of course, we don't have to wait for those Sundays to do this, but but truly preach in faith and and uh, trust God to save. Uh, but talk to us about your your first few months and and so forth in North Carolina. Apart from having guys like Jay Allen in your state, how are things going? <laughs> um, it's been fantastic. Uh, I I absolutely love it. Um, I love this role that God has me in. I love the churches. I love our staff. Um, people ask me all the time, well, who are North Carolina Baptists? North Carolina Baptists are, we are a movement of churches on mission together. I tell people that all the time. Um, we're a movement because God is on the move. Um, Jesus prayed, uh, thy kingdom come on earth as is in heaven. And so we are a movement. The gospel is advancing. Um, we see the gospel actually advancing faster today than ever before in recorded church history. We're a movement of churches because um, we're not a Christian social club. We're not a uh, good old boy network. We're certainly not a political action committee. And listen, I have strong political opinions. And after this, if you want to ask me, we'll talk about it. I grew up in Washington, D.C., okay? So I am all, I, I have strong political opinions, and I pray that God raises up people that would be in, in state and local national politics. But what we are as a convention is we're a convention, we're a movement of churches. Um, and we're a movement of churches that are on mission. Um, we're on mission because the church is God's plan A for reaching a lost world. Uh, I love uh, Bible colleges and seminaries, and I have a degree from each. I love associations. I was a, an AMS. Um, I, uh, I love mission agencies. I was a part of that. I love church planning networks. I helped be a part of one of those. Um, but it is the local church that's God's plan A. And so we exist to be a movement of churches on mission. And the last thing I would say is together. Um, guys, together is not a word we'd use for our society. And what's even more grievous is together is not sadly a word that we would use to describe our churches. And um, I just believe that the night before Jesus gave himself for us, the night before the, the, the nails went in his hands and his feet and the crown of thorns was put on his head, he prayed in the garden that we would be one as he and the father are one. And so we're going to be one. We are going to be united under the Baptist faith and message. And so that is a doctrinal statement that we feel like is wide enough that allows for a diversity of local church autonomy, um, while narrow enough that gives us a forward marching orders. And we're going to be united um, in, in accomplishing the Great Commission. Uh, I tell churches in our board and our, our convention all the time that, um, you know, it doesn't matter what happens in other countries. It doesn't matter what happens in other state conventions. It doesn't matter what's going to really go on. We in North Carolina, we want to put the, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to put the Great Commission on our shoulders because with 2,800 participating churches filled with the Holy Spirit, focused on reaching the lost and planting churches and helping the hurting, we're going to be, by God's grace, we're going to be a movement of churches on mission together. We ask every one of our guests uh, on the podcast this question. So we'll ask it to you. Uh, yesterday, uh, as we're recording this, it was the last meeting of the executive committee. A lot of people have a lot of mixed motions about that. But here's what I want to ask you. What are you most excited about in the Southern Baptist Convention right now? What gives you hope? What gives you excitement? You just talk about North Carolina, but as a convention as a whole. 
Yeah, I, I would say convention as a whole. Um, I'm excited uh, that I sense a real movement of God that people want to come together. Uh, I sense a real movement of God that um, he is working in our midst and purging us of and showing us that a lot of the things that uh, have distracted us um, or caused tension amongst us, um, that we can agree to disagree and we can go forward. I mean, we just had 700 churches um, agree to do something together, and it was baptism. And we saw out of that at least 1,700 um, uh, people profess faith in Christ. Um, I see a whole generation of leaders who are staunchly cons- theologically conservative, uphold the Baptist faith and message, who are moving into positions uh, at the state and local levels. Um, you know, um, that, that excites me. I'm excited what's going on at the IMB and uh, seeing a whole new movement of college graduates and young professionals who want to give two years to the mission of God, uh, what, what, what we're calling go to. Um, I'm excited that I'm hearing churches that are contacting me saying, we want to start a church planting residency. We want to plant churches. And I'm also excited because I sense the real need that people want to help the hurting. You know, in a post-Christian context, guys, the world is not going to care what we know until they know we care. And I'm seeing a generation with Gen Z and millennials, millennials who are having kids now. I mean, they're, they're not kids. Um, I see they want to minister in the name of Jesus um, to a lot of the great needs. And I, I actually think our best days are ahead. Uh, with 3,300 unreached, unengaged people groups, uh, Revelation 5 tells me that our best days are ahead. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing that, that those sparks of that that are starting to fly. We typically ask folks when you, you think of the South, what is quintessential Southern culture? And so that that almost always goes to one of two topics, uh, Southern cuisine or Southern football. And so uh, when you think of Southern cuisine, uh, it doesn't have to be liver mice, but what comes to mind? What are your favorite foods to eat in the South? Uh, and don't think Florida. I know you lived down there for a while, but we don't believe Florida's in the South. <laughs> okay. Well, a couple of things on this, since we're talking the South and we're talking cuisine, and which is one of my favorites in football as well, um, fishing. Um, I lived in the Florida panhandle, which is the South. That is L.A., lower, lower Alabama. Alabama. That's right. And so, um, you know, the panhandle is definitely uh, part of the South. Uh, and I lived in Georgia for 15 years, too. So I know that counts. Um, but, uh, you know, my favorite Southern cuisine, uh, man, I love fried catfish. I love cheese grits with fried catfish. I love collard greens. Um, man, uh, black eyed peas, mac and cheese. I mean, uh, I love it all. Cornbread, biscuits. Um, man, I... You know, I was a missions pastor, so I like cuisine from all over the world, and I don't get in debates over what's best. I'm just like, whenever I'm in a, in a part of that world, I'm like, give me that cuisine. And so I've spent most of my time in the Southeast, and uh, I, I I love it. Uh, when I go to Texas, I want beef brisket. And uh, when I'm in Eastern North Carolina, I want uh, Eastern North Carolina barbecue. And I don't get into those debates. I just say, bring me whatever you think is good, and uh, I'm going to I'm gonna eat it. I love talking about football. Uh, that's my old career. And so, uh, Jared, if you got a football question, I'm Always yeah, to talk uh, Todd, we don't know each other well, but last week I was up in the mountains with a really good friend of mine who you do know, Corey Tyson and his wife, Connor. Well, we lived yeah. together in college. We went to the University of Alabama together. Uh, so don't, don't hold that against me. We can make fun of uh, Alan's help. Right, I think I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> we can all make fun of uh, uh, Alan Seminoles, but I, I want to hear uh, your top four right now. We did this with Eric Reed on our last episode. Top four teams in college football right now. But before you do it, when you do it, when you give your top four, you have to do it as Frank. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I say Frank for <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If your listeners don't know, my wife has these alter egos for us, uh, Frank and Bar- Frank and Barbara. And it's um, it is definitely uh, what she likes to um, it, 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 it's what she likes to do. And I love to do it with her. But that is uh, really what um, I say that for her. So if you want Frank and Barbara, you have to go to her YouTube page. Um, but I would say, uh, I, number one, I'm going to get to Alabama. Okay. Uh, clearly, um, you know, I had a chance to, when I was a sports reporter, I covered Nick Saban, uh, I covered Alabama. I certainly know the history there. That is the best football program with the yeah. greatest college football coach in history. And it just happens to be coincided at the right time. And so yep. until someone beats them, they are clearly number one. Uh, I'm going to give my beloved Georgia Bulldogs number two. I think their defense is fantastic. I think that offense yeah. is going to get better. I think you see the difference when JT Daniels is in versus any of the the backups. And so I put them at number two. And then I kind of put after that, I think is where you get the debate. I put Oregon at three. If I was still voting, uh, I would have Oregon as number three. Um, this is going to get a little controversial, but I actually would put Iowa at number four. Uh, I think that they have, yeah. uh, what you, is that That's what you the, got to? The exact same top four. Yeah, I, I think they've done a good job. I mean, I could make a case for Penn State. I would definitely have Oklahoma behind either one of those two. Um, but yeah. uh, that that would be my top four today. But I will say this. My top four will not be the top top four come college football. No, you're absolutely sure. right. I, I think Bama and Georgia, no matter what happens in Atlanta, if both run the table, which I think they will, they're going to both get in. Uh, Oregon's going to find a way to screw it up. That's Cristobal's uh, MO. But they, they have the best single win in football going to Ohio State and winning. And I always got two really good wins. I think you're right. I'm scared to death of Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in two weeks with Alabama and Ole Miss. So let's see if see if, if I'm right on this one. Uh, my okay. prediction is that both the winner of the East and the West will have one loss. Uh, that's what I predict yeah. going into the SEC championship game. And so I actually think this year we're going to see one uh, team from the SEC in the college football playoffs. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, and I, 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 I think they're. I think Alabama's going to get tripped up once and lose a game they shouldn't. I think Georgia will as well, and uh, I think it'll be Georgia Alabama in the SEC yeah. championship. Yeah, if, if we're going to lose one, it's going to be Ole Miss or a nine-win Auburn. If Auburn has, we always lose the nine-win Auburn in Jordan Air. So hopefully they they lose a couple more games. I think Alan Barbara's going to get in. <laughs> going to run the table. I, I'd ask Matt about football, but he doesn't know anything about it. I was going to say Dallas Baptist. They're going all the way. Dallas Baptist. <laughs> I don't think so. Alan, Let me uh, tell you any- something about Alan Murray. He is legendary in this state. I am in meetings all the time, and Alan <laughs> Murray comes up. Because if you want to know about saltwater fishing, there is no other person on the planet that you want to call than Alan Murray. And I have seen firsthand how he has used that for the glory of God, strategic for the mission of God. And uh, he's even helped me. Uh, I'm still a, 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 like a novice, like or, or even to the beginner side of novice. But uh, Alan is a legend here in North Carolina and a great leader. He's a legend in Texas now because one of my church members had him come out here and dove hunt, and I didn't even get to see Alan the whole time. He was too busy killing doves, so I didn't even get to see him. <laughs> Good for you, man. Typical Alan. Todd, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Guys, anything you want to say before we close out here? Toodles. Toodles. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us. Again, follow up. Hope you had your fill and had your full. Get some biscuits, some grits, all that good stuff, and watch some college football this Saturday. Join us next time, same Baptist time, same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends.